Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak on a Monday morning edition of the podcast. Brought to you by the fine folks over at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON20 and you'll get 20% off your next order of some of the best tasting protein bars on the planet. We're not doing any kind of alliteration mock draft show here for Monday, which actually people are probably going to be super bummed about, even though we have an awesome topic, because instead, we're talking about edge rushers. We're continuing our final evals, our final rankings, sort of final rankings. I might change mine a little bit as I watch more guys for the 2021 NFL edge class. Ben? You watched a lot of guys in this class. How many guys did you watch? You watched almost 20 guys for Edge, didn't you? Uh, yeah, because this is a very, like, it. it's weird. It's a very deep class of day three Edges. It is. I'm not sold that it's a very good class of, like, developmental Edges. Uh, a lot of guys I watched, and I was just like, okay. Right. Like, I, <laughs> right. This, uh, it's, very, it's, a, it's a weird class. I would say that it is a very raw class at the top. Yeah. And then it's a very technically sound class at the bottom, which is to say that there's no one player who I'm like, he's got great tools and he's pro ready. So there's no, there's not that like clear dude who I think is like, like dominant and it's going to be great. And like that, I think that's been kind of talked about. Like this isn't a, a tremendous edge class in round one. Um, but then a lot of these guys that have clear NFL tools have like, shown enough that they're going to be early-ish picks and then a lot of these guys who are just you know steady producers you watch their film and you're like ah i think that's there's going to be problems transferring to the next level so it's a very weird edge class i i i I won't you won't catch me calling it bad because there's definitely talent it's definitely right right but it's not stunning i wouldn't call it good yeah i wouldn't call it bad though yeah it's just kind of like it's you, I mean, you you said it right. It's it's super deep. There's a lot of guys that you that you go, all right, okay. I mean, like I could I could see it here with them either because they know what they're doing or they're very physically gifted. But yeah, there's there's not that. I mean, and, and we kind of got to this subject when you look at the Atlanta Falcons, right? And you go, okay, the Falcons. What's their biggest need? Probably edge rusher. Like need. I mean, you could argue quarterback, okay, you want to get the guy up to Matt Ryan, yeah, 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 okay. Next year, we're talking need, like you got to address the biggest need on your team. They don't have an edge rusher. They don't have somebody who can rush the passer on the outside. They would love to pick an edge. There ain't an edge to pick at four. And we've seen so right. many times in years past that the NFL would love to pick edge rushers in the top five. So, I mean, there's plenty of edge rushers to go number one overall. That's just kind of the, the position that we're talking about here. But... We've got clear team needs that fit with edge rusher throughout the top 10 and the top 15. And I mean, how many are we going to get? One, two, max? We went through mock drafts and we try to give these guys, these teams, these edge rushers. But I don't know, man. It's just a, it, 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 it's an all over the place class. I'm very interested to hear what you think about it. You said you watch 17 players, right? Yep. You watch 17 guys. I watched 10. I watched 10 of the guys that I really, really wanted to get some eyes on. The only guy that I didn't have time to get to was Joe Tryon, so I'm going to be getting to him 
probably over you the next two months. You are not missing much. See, I, but like some people think that Joe Tryon's like getting like fringe first round hype, which is I get why, but he needs time. He's he's I I wouldn't want to walk him in and start because you're not going to get a ton of sack production out of him, in I, my opinion. I think this is going to be a big come to Jesus episode with this edge rush class because you and I on this very show have put edge rushers at the back of the first round, middle of the first round that I'm going to come out today and just be like, no, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't care if the NFL tries to overvalue or overdraft edge rushers because it's a premium position. If you draft these guys this high, I just think that you're going to be really disappointed until like, Year two at the earliest, year three probably in a three-year plan. So let's talk about it. You broke up some of the superlatives that we're going to get to. First one I want to talk about is the best technician. Because you boasted, okay, there's some guys outside of what you would say maybe are the top eight, top ten edge rushers that might be really nice technician players. Who's the guy for you that stands out as the guy who's got the great hand placement, the... The, the the pass rush arsenal, the processing to know what kind of counters to put out there. Who's the biggest technician for you? All right, well, this is awkward then because I was actually going to do a, one of the early drafted guys because I think he's clearly the best technician. Okay, that's but fine. Let's do that. I can, give you, I can give you an early name and a late name. Okay. The early name is Jalen Phillips. And it's sure. Important that, it, it's important that I talk about Jalen Phillips because I've been suspicious of Jalen Phillips's rise over the last whatever have you a couple of months of, of the draft process and whether or not he's a first round guy and the continued concerns about uh his transfer out of ucla and into miami and his semi-retirement from football and then return retirement from football uh his his concussion history those all remain however phillips among the top edge rushers phillips is the only guy who has like more than one move uh and, and you see him win outside inside and through which is extremely important uh Miami needed Phillips to be able to not only win one-on-one matchups, but also to be able to also to succeed when asked to twist and to stunt. And he was able to do so with that quick, uh, you know, uh, that Euro step outside rush, then coming to the B gap with the inside swim. Euro step. He was able to do somebody watched the NBA all-star game last night. You know it, baby. Uh, <laughs> he's got the, the, the sufficient bend the necessary foot quickness to take a quick two-handed swipe to take a quick outside chop and work into an outside rush flatten that angle get to the quarterback and then he can go through you. he doesn't like going through you uh, and one of my biggest concerns with phillips is i don't think he loves playing through contact uh, but he can go through you if he gets his hands where, where they need to be so technically wise that's a, that's not even a, a, a good <laughs> phrase in terms of the, the, the I knew where the you were going. The listeners the knew where you were going. Aspects of rushing the passer, right? You watch Quiddy technically. Pay. Hold on, though. Technically, if you are technically sound, you are wise. Yeah, that's true. As a pass rusher, so your brain is just already going to that level. In terms of the guys who are in my top five, who well, I won't spoil everybody, but yeah, you watch please. Quiddy Pay and you watch Azizo Jalari and you watch Greg Rubiso, and those guys are throwing one move. And, and and maybe a secondary at times. And there's not even necessarily cohesion between that first move and the secondary move. And they're just trying to to work their bread and butter every single snap. Whereas Phillips, you'll see, try different things yes. relative to 
his opponent relative to the situation. Now, are there times when Jalen Phillips throws like an outside spin move when it makes absolutely zero sense? Yes. And you're like, dude, relax. Just be 6'5", 260 and fast. Like there's no need for this. Uh, also, what I struggle with, I think in terms of giving him the, the technician award, is that he's not a, a good run defender. You don't want to run, defend the run. And usually when we think about technicians, we think about players who are really, really sound at maintaining their gap, maintaining leverage, spilling runs, squeezing runs, uh, helping out their teammates, basically like being the cog in the machine when it comes to run defense. That's not Phillips. A little bit of that was the defense. Miami is very slant-heavy, very stunt-heavy, and so he, he kind of very ir- infrequently was just like, maintain the C-gap. You know what I mean? Like that, that didn't often happen for him. Uh so it's not perfect. I would say he's the technician of this class. If we start to go into the day two range, then it's Quincy Roche, uh, also of Miami, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But Roche doesn't have the juice that Phillips has. Uh, he doesn't have the ability to just win with athleticism. And there's a, a, a concern that he doesn't have enough bend he had enough bend to get away with it at temple even at times at miami and he won't in the league with that said uh he in terms of softening rush angles using his hands using his frame using his 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 angles his approach to soften the angles to the quarterback very few better in this class than quincy roche and he has to be able to do that well because he doesn't have elite bend he doesn't have elite corner right right uh and so he's very very good at getting you know uh I forget who, who who the quote is initially attributed to, but you'll see people share the quote during draft season. Uh, you know, rushing the passer is about giving momentum and then taking it away, right? It's about I'm 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 I want your body moving here and then it's over here. Now it's over there. It's all about getting off the tackles, off their base, off their balance. Right. Roche is very very good at giving momentum right into your frame, making you think you need you need to initiate contact now. And then taking it away, getting to your outside shoulder. And that's what we talk about: softening angles, making that rush angle a lot easier. So the Miami guys are my technicians. I think Phillips is the one who deserves the award. But if we're talking after round one, Quincy Roche will be that. I actually liked Quincy Roche a lot more than I thought I would. And I watched the Miami guys, Phillips, Rousseau, and then Roche as my first three players. And I came away watching Rousseau, and I, I have the same kind of sentiment that you do. Like he, he's not the best athlete, but. He really knows what he's doing. You know, I, I even went back to his Temple tape, and I watched a couple of games at Temple because I watched Miami, and I was like, man, I I feel confused here because I thought he was going to have more athleticism to him. And I'm like, did I just think I saw that at Temple when he was playing at Temple? And, you know, I really didn't I, I didn't see that. I think he just had more production at Temple, and that was just, that was it. You know, he, he played in a Miami defensive line that was pretty stacked, and, and so... I guess he just didn't have the same kind of production that he did at Temple, and that's all there was to it. I pretty much saw the same player there. But I was impressed with his hand usage, impressed how he really knew what he was doing every every single time that he was rushing the passer. And so I agree with you that he was a technician there. As, as for Jalen Phillips, we will have the chance to talk about him later in this show, but so physically gifted. You know, it's 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 just... Not even fair sometimes. Offensive linemen, when they've got to block him one-on-one. Offensive linemen in the ACC, which I realized are not great this year. Um, they were just totally overwhelmed going up against him one-on-one. And that was because of the vast amount of things that he could do. How he could beat you with speed at six foot five, 260 pounds. How he could push you straight back into the quarterback. I mean, he was doing all kinds of stuff. He loved the swim move as well. So I felt like Jalen Phillips, once he really started to figure all out, was basically just having his way with offensive tackles. And so I, I would agree that 
he's not a perfect prospect, but in terms of having a pass rush repertoire to go to at any point in time, he's able to do that. And for a player of his size to be able to do that, that's pretty that's pretty special. I'll, yep. I guess I'll throw out, because Ro- Roche would have been the guys that I would have mentioned, one of the guys I would have mentioned as a technician. But I like Ronnie Perkins, too. You watch Ronnie Perkins? Oh. Ronnie Perkins is a hilarious film watch. He's a great time. I was going to say, why is, it, why is it hilarious? Because, firstly, he's got the build of like a linebacker yes right? yeah he he's got like, he the, like he's got like fullback. the high the, the like high rolled shoulders you know what i'm exactly. saying do you know what i'm yeah. saying okay he has a natural built-in neck roll he looks yes. like late Van yes. you see his head his his, his headshot right like this yes. is the keo spikes reincarnate right uh i mean i'm not sure i'd call him a technician because i think that he, he doesn't really have too many counter moves right now but in terms of yeah but he show look the thing about him is, though, is that I just think he doesn't process the counter moves the way that you would want to. Because I feel like when I watch him pass rush with a plan, as you will, to, to, to say that buzz phrase right there, he shows a lot of different stuff. You know, like he can do the speed to power. He can give you a long arm. He can dip and get under the shoulder. You know, like he can, he can push, pull you. I, I see him do all of these things. Now, he does not do them as quickly once he gets locked up, like he doesn't have, I guess it's just not clicking in his head to go to the moves that I've already seen him do. So when I say that he's a technician, I like the hands, I like the strength, I like the quickness, and I like the moves that I've seen from him. I think he needs to certainly get a little bit better at, at getting off the blocks, especially for as powerful as a rusher as he is. But I, I'd still call him a technician because I've seen all of these things from him. He just does need a little bit of help with the, with the processing. Right. I I agree with you that Perkins' biggest issue is that he doesn't know what things mean yet. Uh, Like, there'll be times where, like, there's pullers going away from him, and he'll be like, all right, I'm just going to go chase this whole play down from the backside. It's like, no, you got to stay. Like, you're still the the linebackers are doing that. And the reason they're doing that, chasing the puller and going to meet the play, is because they know you have the backside. So you can't, like, this is, you you know, you've got to stay here. Uh, so there's easy fundamental things about playing edge that he's not fully on yet, in my opinion. So I agree with you. I think that like experience is his biggest thing. I don't think in any way, shape, or form he's like incapable of learning how to throw an inside move. I just for for me, me right now, Ronnie Perkins is a hammer. That's how Oklahoma used him. They said go be big and fast and angry, and and that, that's just a totally... baseline for a pretty good edge rusher. Right, it's true. He's gonna be, I think, valuable in a Melvin Ingram-type role. Obviously, Ingram doesn't win the same way that Perkins does, but you're going to want Perkins as a stand-up rusher. You're going to want to move him around. You're going to want to use him as a crasher, right? You're going to want to use him in a stunt-heavy approach where he's going to come downhill with velocity into an offensive lineman who is not looking his direction, and he's going to wreak havoc in a pocket. Um, I don't want him to be a... In year one, I don't want him to spend time learning how to work an inside spin. I want him to go shove somebody, because that's what he's good at. That's fair. He did a lot. He did a lot of yeah. shoving in his tape. He's likable though. Yeah, and no, I, I I guess I was yeah. I was more impressed with the things that he was able to do on command when it came to the initial rush. And mm-hmm. I, I I did not think that he got overpowered or bullied much. One because I think the power game is in his nature, but also because I, I thought that his hand usage was really good. Like he just he was not going to get pushed around because his hands were in the lo- a wrong place or he wasn't getting leverage on you. Now 
he's not the most flexible guy in the world, right? I mean, we talked about him being pretty upright, and he's got the big shoulders, and it's kind of like he looks like he's hunched over a little bit. So the natural like flexibility of getting down in the stance and popping up and getting the right leverage, that part I worry about. But the hand usage, and I think the hand strength and the hand speed was really great to go along with some good moves. Yeah, I think if you look at like day two edges right now, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of 260-plus pounders who are hand-in-the-dirt guys, and Perkins is a very good hand-up guy. And I think that's to his benefit. I think that especially if like Joe Tryon and Joseph Osai end up going near the first round early second, which I think is, is accurate for what the league has been projecting, he's one of the best stand-up rushers that's going to be there come day two, which is going to, like I said, it's going to be to his benefit because they're going to be teams who they don't want to, uh, Hamilcar Rashid, a Victor Dumekeje, a, a Deo de Yingbo, right? Because these guys are, are, you want the hand in the dirt. Mm-hmm. And Perkins, if you, if you want your rusher standing up and you want them moving around, Perkins is going to be one of your best options that's left. All right. What's next? Versatility? Most versatile? Yeah. I struggle with this one because to, uh, to this point, actually, uh, there's a lot of guys, in this class, who I think can be really, really good, big ends, and then subsequently sub-package rushers on the inside. And that's a form of versatility. It is not a great class for drop linebackers, right? Outside linebackers who are going to potentially go into coverage and be successful, which is also versatility. So what do you, like, you know, I, I, I put most versatile as the category with the intent of it being, like, tricky. You can go a lot of different ways with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the player that I landed on as, as saying the most ver- versatile is Deo De- Yingbo out of Vanderbilt. Who I, I didn't get to watch him. Yeah, so I remember watching Deo uh, in preparation for the Senior Bowl, and it takes like a game to figure him out, and then the rest is just kind of candy. Uh, he is by far the best athlete on Vanderbilt's defensive front. He is 6'6", 265 with vines, and so Vanderbilt says, we're going to put you everywhere we possibly can and we're going to ask you to do as many things as we can from those positions so they'll line him up at nose tackle they'll line him up at three tech they'll line him up as a stand-up outside rusher and they'll do everything in between and they go three down fronts four down fronts rush package fronts where it's it's mushy right it's a bunch of guys who could potentially come uh he'll twist b gap he'll twist to the outside uh it's so it's all just you we're going to hope to get you against a guy who is not as big and is not as fast and is not aware that you're coming. And we're going to let you go after it. And he is quick for 265, right? Like, I think what's really exciting about Gregory Rousseau, who also Miami lined up at the nose, mm-hmm. Miami lined up at the three, Miami lined up as an outside rusher, is that he's 6'6", 260, right? S- similar measurements to Odie Yingbo. Uh, and Rousseau is is so, has a, has a quick first step, and then he's so powerful, right? Uh, Rousseau is really, really good at just moving guys off of their spot. Ode Yingbo has a similar approach in that he gets off the line of scrimmage. He can pop up out of a stance. Not great. Uh, quick couple first steps, and then he arrives like a ton of bricks. And so he can pave lanes for looping rushers for blitzers, which is excellent. And he also really gets on top of the quarterback in a hurry. Uh, so if he gets a clean look, I mean, he's he's long and he's moving. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of why Rousseau was so successful at Miami in generating sack and TFL numbers is that his tackle radius was enormous, right? right? right, so, right. so he he gets half a shoulder into a gap, but he can cover a big amount of area. He can drag guys down. 
Odiingbo, again, this is a, a similar sort of a situation. Uh, but the reason I give it to Odiingbo is because for as much as Miami did with Rousseau in 2019, Odiingbo did it with Vanderbilt in 2020. Uh, and, and right now, I would say that Odiingbo isn't a starting caliber player in anything except for like athletic ability. And you, you're going to bring him in. You're going to either say, listen, you know, worth an odd front. You're going to be a base five tech for us. We're going to teach you how to two gap. We're going to teach you how to control the B gap, work to the C gap. We're going to teach you how to slant inside and be a heavy rusher, B gap to A gap. Or, hey, we're a four man front. You're going to be our, our, our big end. You know what I mean? You're going to be our, our, our base outside rush. You're going to sub package sometime. We're going to teach you how to, you know, work inside shoulder, work the C gap, work your outside rush to your inside counters. And like, you're going to build him however you want to build him. Um, But he, at Vanderbilt did everything for them and in the league is going to be maximized by teams. Once they get that job done where they say, this is our, this is your role. This is what you got to be able to do. You got to be able to control this, do that. This is the playbook. Then they start saying, okay, now we're going to put you at three tech on third and eight. Now we're going to, you know, uh, package you up with some of our outside rushers. We're going to stand you all up on one side of the formation. We're going to twist you around and we're going to let you be really big and really fast. And that's going to be to our benefit. Uh, so Odie Yingbo, Oh, do I feel like saying this? I'm confident saying this. Um, I'll clarify this later when I go through my top five. But in mm-hmm. terms of day two big edges, he's my favorite guy. Uh, he's I wouldn't want to take him too early because, like I said, I don't think in year one you're going to get much from him. He's not pro ready in a lot of the technical aspects of playing edge, but there's a lot he can do, uh, and he's exciting for that reason. Okay, this my answer to this question has has three different players. Good. That's what that's what I was hoping to get with this this question. Because if we're going with who I can line up at the most spots, the most alignments on the defensive line, probably tell you it's Gregory Rousseau. If I'm talking about who I like versatility wise as a three point stance rusher and a two point stance rusher, I tell you it's Jalen Phillips because he has the most success doing both. If I'm talking about guys to potentially drop back into coverage, I. Slim pickings, but like I'd I'd probably say Aziz Ojolari, uh, because I I think that he's got the athleticism and the IQ to be able to do that, as well as the short area quickness. So the like those are the three different answers that I have. Rousseau. I was disappointed watching Rousseau. And were you? You know what? I think that's my own fault because Rousseau yeah, you suck. Okay. All right, sure. Yeah. No, that's actually not why uh, I thought. When I watched Rousseau, maybe it's because he's had a top 10 billing before. Maybe it's because he's like constantly mocked between 10 and 20. And that's just my own fault for kind of believing that and thinking that what I was going to see there. I have to repeat my own words here to give it context by saying Rousseau got to University of Miami as a skinny six foot six defensive end who spent most of his time his first year on campus simply eating as much as possible to try to fill out the frame, got up to 245, and then was asked to play basically every single alignment on the defensive line during his single season. I think his effort's great. I think his tackle radius is great. He he does not know what he's doing. He has has no idea what he is doing. He has no pass rush plan. He doesn't have pass rush moves. Like... None, like none of that is there for him right now. And so I don't know if I'm just being too harsh here or maybe the projection of him was just too high and it should have never been that high and I should have never believed in it there, but I can't take Greg Rousseau in the first round. He's not going to give me anything in, in year one. 
I don't know how much he's going to give me in year two. I think that there's there's just so much development here. I think his ceiling is obviously really high as a player. He's got a really nice athletic profile, comes with a big body, a lot of the same things that you say athletic-wise, on the outside of natural flexibility, with Jalen Phillips, you might be able to say with Gregory Rousseau, but Jalen Phillips so much more understands how to use his body, how to use his hands, how to set up defense, how to set up offensive tackles, how to get by people from the outside and in, and Rousseau just doesn't. He will get off the ball. He will extend his long arms, which are to his advantage. He will try to forklift you back, and when he can't, yep, that's it. That's it. Like that's that's the play for Gregory Rousseau, and he's gonna keep he's gonna keep working. You know, the effort is there, but he's just he's not a pass rusher right now. He's it, it, there's there's no there's no mastering of the edge rush game. There is no nuance in what he does, and so. I would not be drafting Gregory Rousseau in the first round. I, I don't really, you know, you're, you're drafting him on day two somewhere for sure. But he's not a first round player to me. I don't even know if he's a top 50 player for me. Where he landed thing, on okay, my... here's the thing. Go Is ahead. he a top first round player? No. Not right. a first round grade for me. Right. Is it, like, if, the, if he had the season he just had the, in 2020, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even like 19 and a half TFLs, 15 and a half sacks. It was like... Nine TFLs, four and a half sacks. Okay, okay. This is a massive right? difference in production. No, but no, 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 no. Stick with me here. Okay. <laughs> and the and we heard from league people and connections and whatever mm-hmm. uh, that the NFL was like in on Gregory Rousseau as a round one player mm-hmm. because of his athletic ability. Mm-hmm. We would say, okay, that's stupid, as per usual. But it's not out of character because the league always does this. We still talk about Jason Owa, a player who did not sack anybody (laughs) as a potential first round guy, (laughs) like late first round, second round pick, developmental, whatever, because of his athletic ability. Rousseau, I I am not here to be a a defender of Rousseau because going back to the summer, I was like, I don't know about this. And watching him, right, I was like, I don't know about this. But... (laughs) They don't make them anything, six, to, six. anything to confirm the priors. Yeah, right, true, but like, like, it's the same film. And, no, and I know. I'm just they don't me. make them six six and can move and have power. Like he is strong despite being having a wiry frame. He's not like Quiddy Pay, but he's strong. So I don't. It doesn't surprise me that the league is interested in him in round one. And I think that a, an easy trap for us as a, as media evaluators is to say. All right, he had this great production. It, none of it's real. All so much of it was cleanup stuff. So much of it was just being humongous and and and, and Miami throwing right. the defense linemen all over right. the place. That that this is this is a, a a bad process. Yes, but it, it is also the same process. And if he were a low production guy, this would look a lot more familiar to us. But yet, Lee's falling for another physical specimen with great athletic traits who maybe will never pan out. You know what I mean? I I mean I know what you're saying. I just can't. I, I just couldn't get behind it. I mean, Jason O is another guy that that I, I really struggle to get behind for similar reasons, and I actually basically have them both in the, in, in the same kind of bucket where it's like, okay, yeah, you see the ceiling. You like to talk about what could be for them, but it's truly what could be. I mean, you look at Jason O. He didn't have any production, and you can see it plain and simple right there on a stat sheet for the season. And Gregory Rousseau. I mean, like he had all the stats in 2019, but a lot of it is like what you said. It was opportunistic stuff. It was it was manufactured by the defensive line as a whole. It could have been cleanup things. And so 
he's got a lot of versatility to him, and I, I've said this before. To expect a lot more of him than this would be unfair, given his circumstance. And I think context matters in a lot of it. Now, apparently, you know, from Gregory's mouth himself, he said that he's trying to get up to 260, like he wants to play and test at 260 so people can see what he's like and how he's athletic at a bigger frame. So I think that that's really important, but I, I really do think the first two years of his NFL career are going to be just a learning curve. The first year is going to be all about, hopefully, him getting into the body type that he wants to get in, and then the second year is going to be him trial by fire trying to figure it out with that new body, and then the third year, we might see the light come on, and we might see it come on in a big way, but you can't draft Gregory Rousseau and expect him to be good for you in year one. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So he, But yeah. he, I, he has versatility and, of course, the size that he has there. I'll be quick with the other guys. Jalen Phillips, obviously, you, you talked about how good he is, how athletic he is, how big he is. Two-point stance, three-point stance, doesn't matter. This kid, this guy's going to be able to do whatever you need. And then in terms of Aziz Ojolari, it's not a great edge rush hybrid class for a guy who you could go, okay, now drop back, you know, like occasionally. But I I guess I did think that Aziz Ojolari from the couple of games that I watched, yeah. I think I watched four games of him, was able to drop back pretty comfortably. So that yeah, he, no, would no, be the, he would be the first guy for me. Yeah, I... Uh... I've spent a lot of time on this podcast being like, oh, and Joseph Osai from Texas with his linebacker background, he can drop and it's okay. Nope. That was wrong. <laughs> that was not accurate. Uh, I was disappointed in Osai on film watch. I just, I just, see, I was more impressed than I thought I was going to be from Osai. I should say, I mean, I should say I, I was not impressed with his dropability. I was not impressed with the versatility. He's, what I knew about him is true, uh, explosive, high motor, willing to work back, you know, uh, yes, back all side, these right? things are true. Yes. Right. Uh, would love if he knew what to do with his hands as a pass rusher. But we're not there yet, in my opinion, on Osai. Do you watch the TCU game for Osai? Yeah. Do you watch the Oklahoma State game for Osai? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. No, no, no. But I, I bring up the TCU game to simply say, did you see him line up in press as an edge rusher <laughs> yeah. on known rundowns? That's what the, Osai is. I, I was more impressed than I thought I was going to be with Osai because I think that his first step is so good. Like he has a great first step. Now, the steps that come after that, it's not as great, but... The dude works. He can really burst out of his stance. I just... His, the TCU game was so fun. He's in He's in a press, a press coverage corner stance, a square up stance against the left tackle on downs that he knows are going to be running downs. So I, I don't know how this gives really an advantage to him. I talked to Brandon Thorne about this because Brandon Thorne knows trench play really well. And I sent him the screenshot. And I'm like, dude, please explain to me what this is. Because I, I, I've never seen this before. Is this like a technique that works? And Brandon basically said, no. Like n- nobody nobody runs this technique. And, and Brandon said, I have a difficult time thinking that even the... Even the thought process behind what's going on here is is translatable to the next level. And so, Osai is a lot of kind of doesn't know what he's doing yet either in certain areas. I love the athletic ability. I love the strength. I love the motor. I love the first step. I love all of those things. 
But there are other parts of his games that just confuse me so bad. And and run defense is one of them, mainly because of the stance that he had there. I don't love him as a three-point rusher or three-point edge rusher. I liked him a lot better when he was standing up. He was clearly more more comfortable when he was standing up. And that I guess that's why they had him in that weird TCU stance because he got to stand up. And he didn't. He didn't have to sit there from like a normal two point stance. But then I'm like, why don't you just do the the, the foot back thing? Why don't you just be normal? I don't, I don't know. It's just, be regular. I just I didn't understand it. I, I was much more impressed with that, his athletic ability than I thought that I was going to be. And I came away higher on him than I envisioned. But there were parts of his game that were just very puzzling. All right. So puzzling evaluations. Transition to toughest eval. Wait. Dang it. You ruin all my segues with your stinking ads. Folks, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college, basketball, NBA, and the NHL, they're all in full swing. Bet online even covers awards shows, TV shows, reality TV, basically anything you want to put money on. Bet online is you cover for all the news, scores, odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to our website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Promo code, you guys know it. All one word, all caps, locked on. We are going to get to Ben's beautiful transition into our toughest eval right after the break. We're covering everything you need to know about the NFL Draft, but what about the rest of sports? Now, Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news that you need every single morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today Podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Ben, do you want to do the transition again? I feel like it robbed you. You want to do the transition? you already ruined it. All right, so speaking of guys that we weren't sure about, toughest evaluation is the next... (sighs) superlative that we have who's your toughest evaluation ben uh, i'm gonna go with carlos basham at a wake uh who i like i bath i think basham is a good player who's gonna be a good pro i thought that in 2019 basham was like growing he was figuring it out he was like, actually we should rewind this the feldman freaks list yes. uh right quitty pay is number one on it for 2020 everybody's going nuts quitty's the man he's gonna run a Two point five second three cone drill. He's the yeah, greatest. What in life. the world was that? Right, which is just banana cream pie. Uh, what we lost in in the love of all that was that number two on that list was Carlos Basham. Uh, I'll read from Feldman. One of the best kept secrets in college football. Basham is a dominant player with thirty one career TFLs and fifteen and a half sacks. At some point during the twenty twenty season, Basham had a twenty game streak in which he had at least one TFL. That'll become important later. He made first team all ACC in 2019 with 18 TFLs and 11 sacks. Basham's measurable stack up well with any of the freak D linemen that Clemson or NC State have produced in recent years. Six foot three and a half, 280 pounder. Bench is more than 400 pounds and squats more than 700. Ugh. Even more impressive, he's verted uh, more than 36 inches and clocked a 4-2-1 in the short shuttle, which would eclipse any time by a guy his size at this year's NFL Combine. The dude runs so well that Wake even has him on his kickoff team. Okay, so you watch bash him at wake forest and it's like really obvious he's very athletic uh anytime he's in space like he had a sack on lawrence this year uh where he was unblocked and lawrence was running was running out of the pocket and lawrence was clearly like i've got time before he gets here and then he was there right like lawrence like literally thought he had like another step 
to like like turn and load and throw or throw it away or whatever. And Basham just drops on him. And, and the closing speed at 280 pounds is nuts. Uh, same thing is true when he's transitioning, right? And you can see that how that short shuttle is going to matter. Uh, where if he slices into the backfield and he's got the opportunity to mirror running back, you can see lateral quickness, which again for 280 pounds is nuts. Okay, cool. In 2019, I liked Basham. And I thought it was because he was growing in the trickier aspects of playing edge, right? This was a, uh, a, a player who largely was winning, knifing into the B-gap, slanting, stunting, using his quickness, using his size to wrench himself into the backfield. And that's why he was such a good TFL player, and he needed to learn more about working the outside edge track and working actual rush moves and, and, and rushing the passer without the added benefit of cutting into the B-gap, cutting outside, working a twist, whatever. 2020... I just it looked like Basham just like did not care about that at all hmm. because he was playing out of control just all over the place. Like I, I brought up his TFL streak. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because it seemed like Basham's main goal in any game was to just make sure he got at least one TFL so that the streak stayed alive. Right. Because hmm. like it would be a running play and he would just be like. Yeet! Like here we go. Like just like dive forward, like ignore <laughs> pullers, right? Just like completely like, oh, like, I'm getting down blocked. Don't care. Going upfield, and he would screw over his defense at times. Which like, obviously, like that's not what happened, but a little bit. I was it like, might be. dude, like you've got to chill. Um, and then as right as a pass rusher, like if you were giving an outside rush, he'd be like, all right, I'm going 12 yards deep to get around this guy. And it's like you can't do that, Carlos. Like that's not. Like you, you I have to work with power. You have to work with power through the frame. You got to tighten that rushing. You got to shorten the corner. You got to soften the angles. You got to get to the quarterback set point. You're like, nah, I'm just going around the outside. So I, I don't know. He, uh, his 2020 film, like he looked more athletic. He was in great shape, which is awesome. And he looked like he was less, he had taken a step back from 2019 in terms of the technical aspect of the game. I still have Basham as a top five player. Uh, he's within the uh, top five edge. He's within the Preston Smith, Adrian Claiborne mold of players, which is like, you know, when Clay, Claiborne obviously like lost a lot of games to start his season in Tampa, but he was like a six, seven sack a year guy. Mm-hmm. Preston Smith's like a six, seven sack a year guy. Hmm. That's a end of the first round pick. No problem. Uh, with his size and athletic ability, there's a higher ceiling there. Uh, he can be a stand up outside linebacker at 275 pounds and be legit, which is crazy. Uh, that's hugely to the benefit of teams like Baltimore who love those big stand-up outside rushers. Like, all of that works and makes sense. But his 2020 was weird. He had, like, five sacks and, like, eight TFLs or something this this 2020, and you watch the film, and you're like, this is dirty. I don't even like it. Like, I what, remember at, watching at him cost? in the middle of the year, and I was like, I don't like this player. I don't get it. Yeah. His 2020 was, was very weird. And, like, I don't know, like, Wake Forest was bad, and... It was off of COVID, but it was just like a, he was a very just undisciplined player, yeah. in my opinion, in 2020. And so 2019 but, is better. Yeah, in okay. my opinion, I'm gonna go. And, I like gotta I, go watch 2019 then because yeah, I, I, I didn't gave, finish him. Right, I gave Basham a good grade, but a lot of that boils down to the fact that you know if we're gonna do work for Quiddy Pay to be like he's such a good athlete, it's okay that he wasn't super productive. He had a couple of good games to end 2020, like he's legit. I mean, Basham had again 20 straight games with the TFL. And has the he's gonna have these testing numbers. That alone, like, is gonna warrant early round consideration. And then everything else you figure out. But like it's very clear he has an instinct for getting in the backfield. He's a nuts athlete. And in this edge class, it's not very good. 
that to me is 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 enough to give him put him in my top five. Uh, my toughest evaluation player is a player that I really liked in summer scouting. Do you want to take a guess at who it was? Toughest eval. You really liked him in summer. Really scouting. liked him in summer scouting. Really. Liked oh, it's him. one of the pits for kids, isn't it? It is. Yes. And it's is it not. Jo- it, is it Jones? It is Patrick Jones. Yeah. It's Patrick Jones. Let me read you my my blurb on Patrick Jones after I watched him. Jones is a fun film watch. His length paired with his first step explosiveness plus his ability and understanding of how to attack an outside shoulder left ACC left tackles giving it their all just to drop back in front of him in pass sets. His burst and his long arm length are his best assets as a pass rusher and that flashes often. Even when blocked, Jones' long arms make it difficult for offensive linemen to hang on. Now, There are some drawbacks to Jones. For one, though he can hold up against the run, his lean frame gets overpowered and off balance more than it can be to be a full-time starter in the NFL. This will likely require more weight on him, but how much will that take away from his speed? I wish I could also project Jones as a 3-4 outside linebacker, but with no experience rushing in a stand-up stance or in coverage, I just can't. Him reaching a high-speed rush potential will depend on how much functional strength and weight he can gain at the next level. Jones' flashes are great. He is a highlight real player. You t- If you throw on Patrick Jones II career Pittsburgh highlights to whatever rap song is behind it, you will think this guy is a first-round pick, no doubt about it. But you watch him at the Senior Bowl, and you watch his actual game tape, and you see that when he tries... Different moves that don't involve speed simply attacking the outside shoulder. He gets bullied and he gets off balance. They will simply throw this dude to the ground. He will get caught with his back in front of the offensive lineman. They will shove him like he's a fly and just annoying. And all of these things matter when it comes to being on the field full time. I'd love for him to be a 3-4 outside linebacker, but he clearly gets the most explosiveness when he's from a four-point stance, let alone a three-point stance, where he can put both hands in the ground, and he's got his head low, and he's dipping. That man can fire off like a track star going from a 100-meter dash. And he he made life hell for inferior ACC left tackles. Now, you you up the competition level, you up the overall athleticism for a lot of these starting offensive tackles in the NFL, they are not going to be as hung out to dry and as helpless when it comes to matching Jones getting vertically, getting into their pass sets. Jones, I think, still has plenty of good burst to get around the edge and be a speed threat, but it's not going to be as obvious. Like, he, his first step and the threat of his first step going to the outside was so strong that these offensive linemen were basically playing on their heels, and when he stuck his one arm out to hit them in the middle of the chest, they were already skating back because they were off balance because they were trying desperately to get to a landmark where Jones couldn't get around. The NFL, it's not going to be the same thing. So he was a tough projection for me because I loved what he was able to give me in the speed game, but maybe this is a little bit like Shaka Tony, who I didn't finish his final eval, but it seemed like Shaka Tony was a really... Now, maybe you did, so correct me if I'm wrong. But it seemed as though Shaka Tony, if he wasn't winning with speed on the outside, he wasn't winning at all. And there oh, are yeah. <laughs> there are times that I felt like that about Patrick Jones. Now, it wasn't to the same degree that Shaka Tony was, because I still think Patrick Jones was really annoying with his arms, and he'd give you a lot of effort, and he'd still try to swim inside and all that kinds of stuff. So I think that he was more 
more reliable than a guy like Shaka Tony. But I'm worried that what Patrick Jones did best in the in in college is not going to show up nearly as much as it will in the NFL if he does not get stronger. He has to get stronger. He has to put on some more weight. He has to be able to anchor better because he got pushed around too much when the speed stuff didn't work. So that's why he was he was yeah. very tough for me. I thought in the summer that Patrick Jones was Tack McKinley. Uh, they played a whole season, weighed in at two inches taller and 15 pounds heavier than Tack McKinley. Uh, and I still think he's Tack McKinley. He's, it's, dude, at the Senior Bowl, Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver measured in at the exact same height and weight. Watch yeah. these two dudes play on the field, and you will go, Especially how in the, the name of God is this possible? Both of them, both Rashad Weaver and Patrick Jones, showed up at six foot four, 265 pounds. Same exact thing. Patrick Jones was actually one pound lighter and like a third of an inch smaller. But they're the same dude. They have the and Rashad same... Weaver is also way longer too. Yes. They have the same measurables. And you watch them on the field and you go, you go, there's no way that's even possible. Mm-hmm. Patrick Jones plays so light for a six foot four, 265 pound player. Who's better, Patrick Jones or Rashad Weaver? Oh, Patrick Jones, not even close. Yeah. Dude, are we Rashad Weaver post knee injury is a rotational defensive lineman at best. Juiceless. Yes. No, I yeah. mean like I went back and I watched Rashad Weaver's 2018 tape because there are some people out there that really like Rashad Weaver. And I went, what game are you watching that makes you like Rashad Weaver? Because I got three games into Weaver and I went, I, this dude's without a doubt, a day three player. And then I went back and I watched 2018 before he had the knee injury. And I went, mm, okay, I get it. So, you know, he's one year removed from the knee injury this year. Perhaps next year rolls around. He learns in the NFL. Maybe that year two, year three, Rashad Weaver, he's more confident in that knee. He's confident in his abilities. Maybe we see some juice back in him. But right now, I mean, he was he was a rotational player at best. Patrick Jones at least gave you starting potential in a certain system where he could give you flashes. Rashad Weaver wasn't even giving you flashes this year, which sucks. Justice Mosqueda for Leisure Report likes Rashad Weaver. He put a, he, he has him as like a Derek, a Derek Barnett-like player, which I get the comparison, but also like Barnett is six sacks a year. You know what I mean? Like Weaver, if he can walk in and immediately hang with NFL caliber technicians, is going to be six sacks a year. Right, and that's yeah. a big if. Right, that's a huge yeah. if. Yeah. I... I don't think it's like clear Jones is better than Weaver, but it's funny, right? Because I, I do agree with you. Their height and weights are exactly the same, and their play styles and translations are completely different. Could not, could not be more different. All right, yeah. we're going to get to our top fives. Right after this ad from BuiltBar.com. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bars on the market for a while now. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bars with 100% chocolate in all bars, by the way. Had to make sure that I threw that in there. Now is the time to find out which Built Bar bar is the best because it is Built Bar Madness. Get it? Because it's March. March Madness. Haha. <laughs> See? We get it now. Go to BuiltBar.com or... To at Built Bar underscore Bar on Twitter to see all the different matchups. Remember, if you go to Built Bar and you want to put in an order, use the promo code Locked On Twenty to get twenty percent off your next order. That is Locked On Twenty to get twenty percent off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back in to see who won the matchups over at 
dot com and also at built bar built underscore bar got to make sure i get that right at built underscore bar and they'll be able to tell you who the fans think is the best tasting protein bar but you got to make sure to get on it to make sure that your uh, your favorite bar wins Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson could be on the move this offseason. Tune into Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Texans to hear what our local experts are willing to trade for their star quarterbacks. Listen to Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Texans on Radio.com app, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Ben, it's time. It's time for the top fives. And you can also give your shout-outs to whoever you want to in this edge rush group, if there was a guy that uh, isn't in the top five that we're not going to get to, you want to make sure you give a shout-out to because it is a pretty deep group. Feel free to do that as well. Uh, I like Peyton Turner. He's good. Hamilcar Rashid is playing out of position, but he was really good in 2019. I think that maybe he's going to be a sleeper. 2020, um, 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 Adetokounmpo Ogundeji is a good developmental five-tech in Notre Dame. Okay, five, top five edges. <laughs> five Thank for, you for me that in there. Five for me. Yeah, you are. Five for me is a sigh. Uh, okay. Like I said, didn't appreciate just how versatile he was. Uh, I, I, I didn't. He wasn't as versatile as I thought he was going to be. But uh, explosiveness, motor, quickness, those remain. Four for me is Basham, and three for me is Quiddy Pay. Uh, Quiddy is clearly a better pass rusher on the outside edge track, one on one. You know, working outside, inside, working counters right now than Basham is. Both have really desirable athletic traits. Basham is a more dangerous player for a stunt-based defense, a defense where you're going to move your guys around. Uh, I view them as in very similar tiers. Two for me is Aziz Ojolari. Mm-hmm. Didn't get a chance really to talk too much about Aziz. Uh, you obviously brought up the versat- him for versatility and his drop ability. People think, uh, uh, I struggle to find a good comparison for Ojolari because people are all over the place on his athletic ability, bend and burst. Uh, when he's got the ability to tee off, right? He doesn't have run responsibilities. It's third and long. His burst is excellent. Yes. Very, very good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, bend wise, he has sufficient, good, at times great lower body bend, ankle flexion and hip flexion. He plays very upright. So he's, he struggles to reduce his surface area. So that that's from shoulders to waist, dipping that shoulder and being able to to play successfully he can rush with tilt he can work with with those feet outside of his frame he can run like that bend is there but he needs to learn how to dip his shoulder he needs to learn how to not play upright and so that's where i think that some of the bend conversation comes in and to me in my evaluation he's clearly got the bend necessary to be a successful high side rusher outside rusher needs uh he, he throws that outside cross chop like it's the only thing that you're allowed to do uh needs an inside counter because eventually Alex Leatherwood was like, I'm just going to race you to the outside. Right, and he did not right, have an answer for right. that. Uh, so if he's not winning right now off his first step, he is not, at, he doesn't have the necessary answers to find interior rushes, um, but he's very, very high effort. He does a great job drawing holding penalties, which isn't like a skill, but it does matter uh, when he gets to your outside shoulder, he's either hitting the quarterback or he's getting a flag out of you, which is impressive. Number one for me is Jalen Phillips uh, going to be a red flag player going to be a, a, a medical check guy, not going to be on every team's board, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But purely on film evaluation right now, nobody gets to the quarterback as easily, as consistently in such a variety of ways. Yep. High quality player. Number five for me is Ronnie Perkins. Really like the power of his game. I didn't think that it was all there yet, but he showed a really good baseline of moves that he already has in the tank. He's just got to learn when to throw them, and I think that he's really going to be a problem as an edge player. Number four for me is Joseph Osai. It, he was just such a... As we said before on this podcast, an interesting watch. I liked him. 
I love the first step explosiveness. I love the motor. I thought the football IQ was good. The run-stopping ability was there. I just don't understand the technique sometimes. It just didn't It didn't make any sense to me. So maybe we'll clean that up a little. Might be a little bit of a process, but for as much effort as he's given you and for as well as he can get off the ball, I think that that was noteworthy there. I struggled with 3-2. and two. I settled in with Aziz Ojolari at number 3. Love his speed mm-hmm. game. I think that he's got great burst. I agree with you. I, I think that he's got good flexibility when when uh, when it's fully in his plan. When that's it, when that's his pass rush plan, I think that he really knows how to do that. I was worried about the things that happen after that. He's got a great motor. It's not like he's ever going to quit on you. But I think the I think the power in his game is something that is worrisome to me. I didn't think that he showed a lot of power that could have been translated to different versatility. So I think that you've got to kind of have like a, a specific speed role for Izzy Zojilari. Yeah. But if you give him that, like if he goes to the right team that lets him be what Aziz does best, I think you're going to get a really, really good edge rusher. So If you teach him how to rush speed to power. I, he's you, got the ability to because I yeah, think he's exactly. got the burst. Like, he could be great at it. Right. He just but doesn't, he do doesn't know how he or, or he wasn't asked to do it or whatever. But like when he's unblocked and there's a puller coming, that man is stopping power. Like he's got he can when he drops his shoulders, drops his hips and hits, like uh Deontay Brown came on a pole, right? Trey Smith came on a pole and Ojalari meets him. No, let's he'll, go, he, baby. He, he, no, he, he sticks his nose in there. Yeah. He just so doesn't, I think, I think he, he just doesn't show him. the power game. So I think that yeah. he 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 landed at three for me just because I have not seen that from him yet. Not that he's not capable of it. Quiddy Pay is two for me. You know, the size of him being 6'4", 270, and being able to explode the way that he does. Yeah, he's not going to bend like some of the smaller guys in the class, but I think the hands are so strong. The hands are violent. He knows how to stack and shed so well. I mean, he is he's going to be extremely reliable for you as a 4'3 defensive end, and he has the upside to be a lot more. I think he's got a lot more athleticism in the tank that could teach him a variety of different moves to be able to win with speed even more than he does so now because he controls with power. This guy will set the edge for you in the run. Ain't nothing getting by him. And he certainly knows how to bull rush offensive tackles back into the quarterback. He also shows a good uh, uh, ability to push and pull and, and get around that way. It just it doesn't seem like this guy is blocked for very long. And that makes me think that if you give this guy a couple more moves, which I've seen him be able to do, especially attacking the inside, He's going to be a problem, and he's going to be a starting defensive end in the NFL for a long time. So I think that this is a very high-floor player with also the ability to show a high ceiling as well. Jalen Phillips is number one. Clearly the most talented pass rusher in this class. You know, I don't exactly know what to make of the injury history because we don't have you know extensive notes on that. A lot of that stuff is more behind the scenes. Certainly the reasonings why he left UCLA— know the injuries played a role into that, but knowing that entire story is a big deal for him. But in terms of him on the field, number one overall recruit in the country for a reason a couple of years ago. He is unbelievably talented. And I wanted to bring this up too. So I watched Jason Phillips, and then just for fun, I was like, I Jaylen. wonder what... Sorry, sorry, yeah, Jalen Phillips. Did yeah. I see Jason? Did I see Jason both times? I think you just said it the second time. Okay, all right, so Jalen Phillips, just so everybody's sure. I went and watched his tape, and then I went and watched Miles Garrett's Texas A&M tape right after that. Because I was just like, what? Relax. No, 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 because I was just like, hmm. Like, uh, let me just go back and remind myself what Miles Garrett looked like at Texas A&M. I watched Miles Garrett's game against Cam Robinson in Alabama, and I'm like, yo, Cam Robinson is good. 
<laughs> that uh, 2017, I think, was the tape that was there. And Robinson was meeting Miles Garrett at the attack point with some force. And I was, I was just, I, I watched that one for fun, and that was, uh, that was an enjoyable watch for me. Where did you have Jason Noah ranked? Nine. Okay, I have him as eight. So, yeah. Listen, sack a quarterback, then we'll talk. Well, I mean, he did last year, but... Sack the quarterback, then we'll talk. I... I sack the quarterback! Sorry. I get it. He, yeah, but again, like he is, he is right next to Rousseau in my rankings as right. things that guy guys just he just does not he does not know what he's doing. Here's the thing: is I I I can get too many opportunities to swing the bat on too many athletes for me to prioritize Jason Owa. He's a great athlete, crazy burst, bend and and length. You're not wrong. You're not wrong in terms of bend in this class. Owa's one of the best, and like that's a, a premium trait there for edges. So if you're like non-negotiable, my outside rusher needs bend. Always going to be high on your board. But if I can take a swing on Deo at a Yingbo in round three, I'm not taking Jason Owen in round two. I don't need to do that. Right. He's, he's a great athlete, and he's, he's just as messy, just as much of a projection, right? Like, I don't want to be taking if this, then that in round two. I want to be taking he can do X, and well, Owen can't do X right now. I mean, you're, you're throwing around words like, you know, day two edge rushers, and even sometimes, like through this pro, this this podcast that we just did, I was like, day two, like are we? I just uh, there, there's, there's, it, this edge class is going to be all over the place because there is so much development to be had with a lot of these guys, either from a technician standpoint, or they got to get faster, they got to get stronger, something. There aren't a lot of perfect or exact edge rush players that you would want outside of Jalen Phillips, and even he has big outside of football question marks. So I understand why Quiddy Pay is, is edge one for some people because they watch Quiddy Pay and they go, I know what I'm getting. It's an extremely high floor player in edge class that's not exactly inspiring. And so I totally get it why people have Quiddy Pay as their number one edge rusher. Jalen Phillips absolutely has a higher ceiling than Quiddy Pay, but I get it after watching even just 10 guys in this in this pass rush class why, why people would really like Quiddy Pay. Yeah, I, I'm again like I'm very impressed by what Pay does on rundowns. I'm very impressed with Pay does in terms of position maintenance, and definitely like you watch the Minnesota film where he's lacing Minnesota's backup tackle, and you're like, all right, yeah, like do that all the time. Tough to argue with lack of production for Pay over the course of multiple years of starting. It gives me a little bit of pause. I like, but you know, again, if you're, we're gonna put our best four down and we're gonna rush him, Pay's around one player. That's the Edge Rush Group, or at least our primary thoughts on it as we go through things over the next couple of months. We're talking interior defensive line next. It might not be the next episode that we have this week because we're also getting to some NFL Draft prop bets that we wanted to do this week. We had a listener uh, ask that, and we thought that this would be a good time to do it before, as Ben would say, the public gets some juice on it. We would give you guys some thoughts on where we think quarterback two goes, quarterback three goes, some other... Uh, prop bets that they have right now out there. So we're going to give you our thoughts on what we think is going to happen in the NFL draft. But interior defensive line is still coming either tomorrow or the day after that. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.